0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. My co-host today, Vic Mattis, is out. We're letting him vacation, as we should. He's a hardworking man. And we have with us today a different lovely co-host. Kelly Maher is with me from the great state of Colorado. We are two moms who chit-chat all the time about politics and life and everything. And now we're going to record it for you guys, (laughs) to mix it up from our normal telephone calls. And I am happy to take a break from indictment reading to talk to Kelly today, a little bit about back to school time, because I feel like a lot of us are in the thick of it right now, and there's a lot of news stories that have to do with it. And so I just thought, you're a perfect guest for this, Kelly. How are you doing?
1: I am great, thank you for having me. And yes, my two sons started school yesterday. Oh, my and gosh. yeah, it was bittersweet first grade and PK. And I came home and sat in silence and just drank a latte. And it was, I, you know, I contemplated, oh, my kids are growing up so fast and da, 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 da. And then nobody said mom, the entire <laughs> latte. Not, not a mom was to be heard. And it was, dare I say, delightful. It was so it's it's bittersweet as it always well, is, this is right?
0: this is always the the tug of war for moms, right? is that uh, I've been thinking mine don't go to to school until next week, and we are just endless summering it because I am not one of those people who moves on to fall quickly. Summer's right. the greatest, I yep. want to live every single second of it, and so we're taking up taking it up right to the first day of school is how long I'm going to be doing summer things. So we are on a trip before we get back and before they start. And one of the reasons for that is because when they start, even though, yes, on one hand, I will have more time to get more things done. That's a real thing. Yeah. On the other hand, I miss them. They're great. I I love to hang out with them. Yeah. (laughs) And yes. Yes. And summer is a great time for doing that. So we're on one last hurrah. In fact, we are going to win this when our friends listen to this podcast i believe i will be in Dollywood. so Ooh. sorry to make everybody
1: jealous but that is what's happening that's jealous what's happening. i i am very jealous i um, that so makes me want to fly there and meet you that sounds amazing
0: so i do think there's a <laughs> there's a little bit of that back and forth about how we feel about sending our kids yeah. off um, yeah. and in fact i i homeschooled for a year and love love loved it and so i'm i like i get a little torn About this. But will I write more? Yeah, I will. (laughs) Because it'll be quieter.
1: It's very, it's tough because I did spend a lot of the summer making sure that we didn't have any learning loss. We did the, you know, math and we did all the reading and I tried to do a science a day and I tried to do some art projects. We tried our first attempt at uh, paper mache did a lot of day trips. Spent a lot of time at the skating rink. Oh, I like on, that. Yeah. Got a little retro. It was great. And and almost every day in the pool. Uh, yeah. All it. of that's so nice. But I am Oof. ready for those quiet lattes.
0: <laughs> we also did work, academic work this summer because they have they do have summer workbooks that they're supposed to do. And I did some handwriting work with them as well and some brushing up on math just to make sure we didn't lose all of the work that we did last year. Nothing too hardcore, but I will say my record this summer much better on the summer workbook because my oldest last year, she had about seven of ten weeks left in the notebook all of a sudden at the end of July, and I was like, "Ooh." ooh, we're in a pickle here, kiddo. So we did not finish that one last summer and it's okay it's optional you just get a prize if you finish it this year we are one week from done so she's done yes. nine, of, nine of ten weeks which yep. means when we get back because i can't do anything without one little burst of last minute nonsense when we right. get back from this trip yeah, she will do a week's worth of worksheets in a day and a half but that is one
1: week. That's not seven weeks. Last time yeah, it she was can, really bad. She can do it. She can do it. I have 100% <laughs> faith in her. And then, of course, they've been
0: reading all summer because they're them. So yeah, you know, I, don't have to, I don't have to enforce that. They just read like crazy people all the
1: time. Yes. Yes. So. By the way, I can no longer spell to you on the phone because sometimes when I'm on the phone with you, the, the time I talk to you the most is commuting just because that's how life is. And I'm now no longer able to spell things to you. So I think we need to brush up on our pig Latin.
0: I know. I was bemoaning this the other day. And sometimes if I spell very quickly, Mm -hmm. they won't catch it. But then also the person you're talking to might not catch it.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) So I'm... I'm toast problems. on the spelling. I know. Yeah, we we need to find our way to have our secret conversations, mostly about yeah. our kids. Well,
0: we've made them. Spelling. We've made them too smart. That's I what know. we did. I know. We played. Really we played ourselves.
1: I. We did. We did by teaching them how to move forward and spell. But I. I mean, pig Latin is. Yeah, I think it's probably a dying art. I haven't heard anybody speak pig Latin in a very long time. I think
0: my parents might have taught my kids pig Latin, so I got to check on that.
1: Oh. Oh, the hams. The hams Come are on, goodness. grandparents. I know,
0: right? Um, so I do want to talk about back-to-school shopping. Yeah. And strategies thereof. <laughs> this was interesting to me because I kept seeing well, I'm feeling it. And I kept seeing stories about the cost of going back yeah. to school. And I think yeah. this is important because I, I was telling someone the other day, when it comes to politics and the 2024 race, the media is mostly skipping over inflation. It's mentioned, but what they try to do right. is they, because they're essentially allies to Biden and don't want him to have to pay the price for these economic yeah. indicators, they sort of skip past inflation and go to other more sunny economic indicators and pretend that those yep. are the whole story. And then they say, oh, people are upset about the economy, even though things are great. And it's like, okay, there are indicators that are healthier. But the problem is that yes. the inflation is so dramatic. And yes. it hits people every day that if you're ignoring that, then you're not getting the whole story. So the media is doing that. Biden is saying, Bidenomics is great. Come along with me on this wild ride, guys, to prosperity. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. And people
0: are, people disagree with that because the disconnect is that they're feeling the inflation and they're just pretending that all the other economic indicators mean everything's fine. And then the GOP is talking mostly about Trump.
1: Right. (laughs) Right?
0: Like that's, so who is actually who's actually speaking to people's concerns and that's part of what i wanted to talk about today is that one of the concerns is that we're all trying to get back to school and it is a shopping season and the shopping season hurts kelly the shopping season hurts
1: it really hurts so i think i told you this on the phone or at some point but It is surprising to me. You and I have both worked in and around politics for decades. And if I were Biden's team looking at the economic indicators, I would not be leaning in on, quote, Bidenomics the way that they seem to be. Right. And it just I think it is this no offense, because I know that you reside sometimes in the beltway. It it is this beltway mentality of government employees who think like, oh, we're fine. So everybody else must be fine. And not realizing that the vast majority of voters in these big square states in the middle of the country are trying to figure out how to buy pencils and markers and sandwiches and you can't buy peanut butter anymore gotta buy the sun butter and sun butter by the way eight dollars eight dollars so yes right. <laughs> i it but i have two giant babies and they need protein and protein is really hard to get in lunches and
0: yes we should nut. stipulate that like when kelly mm. talks about her kids growing up it like it looks different than my kids growing up. She sent her PK kid off. And that's like, it's like a full-grown man. He's just a full-grown. <laughs> her kids, I think your four-year-old yes. almost certainly weighs more and might be taller than my almost eight-year-old.
1: Well, so thank you for asking, Mary Catherine, because we went to the pediatrician this morning. And my four-year-old, who turned four, less than a month ago, is 59 pounds.
0: Yeah, they weigh the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, and is four foot one (laughs) and had four eggs for breakfast. He just turned four. He just turned four.
0: Kelly comes from people of stature, (laughs) and by stature, I mean literal height. They are (laughs) some some big boys.
1: my husband always jokes because my family's primarily Irish, and he's always like, eh, Some Vikings, like at some point, came in there and did some stuff. Yeah, added some the, genetic not, material to your This is
0: not leprechaun s- Irish. <laughs> it's a different nope. vibe. Nope. <laughs> okay. Back, back yes, to the issue okay. at hand. You, right, you right. said there's an interesting study. This is back to school shopping. Families with kids from elementary to high school age will spend an average of $890 on back-to-school shopping this year, yeah. according to a survey released by the National Retail Federation and Prosper Insights and Analytics. That number is up by 40% from the previous decade when the average family spent $635 on back-to-school supplies. The point being, this is a chunk of cash. It is a mortgage payment in most normal parts of the country.
1: Yeah, so I did a little bit of reading surrounding kind of the economics of back to school. And I did not realize Mary Catherine that back to school season for retailers is the second most important season after Christmas, like black Friday on. I also did not realize
0: this. I I feel like it should have occurred to me, but I did not realize that either.
1: Right. But this is, this is a really, really big and important season. And, there's an interesting dichotomy here, which is that parents are having to purchase more for or, or having to spend more to purchase the necessities. However, it does seem as if there are indicators. And I found a couple different articles in Fortune and the Deloitte study that show that, in fact, nationally, we will be spending overall less money during the season Because people individually are so strapped, they're spending on what they absolutely have to spend, which is the necessities. But, you know, the article started saying there's going to be a lot more kids going back to school with dirty shoes and going to be recycling their stuff. And you and I are making those calculations. I'm sure that people everywhere are making the same calculations. Do you actually need a new backpack? Do you need a new water bottle? Do you do you need the top of the line stuff or can we hit the used clothing? Can we hit the, uh, like, what are ways to save? Some ways that people are saving is the season started earlier. So people started shopping in July, hitting a lot of sales, and they're spreading that spending out over a longer mm-hmm. period of time, but also just are not buying a lot of the new stuff that is not required by schools.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is this is where I am by the way back to school lists especially for two kids and I have four children now so eventually there's going to be four mm, back to school no. lists yeah it's such a tax on my executive function to mm-hmm. figure out what each kid needs and this is not picking on the school or the teacher because everyone has their reasons and I understand people run classrooms different ways but just as a one of the examples my oldest child needs 3 zipper pencil pouches. Right. Three? We need three. Why? And yeah. look. Look. Not a not a huge expense. But right. These things add up. And so what did I do? I ransacked the room and I found at least two zipper pencil pouches. And those right. those things don't need to match. They can be nope. completely different. One's got little avocados on it, one's got a cartoon character. That's fine. I still need a third. I have an outstanding Zipper pouch, which I will, (laughs) which I will purchase. And that outstanding zipper pouch is taking up real estate, not only in my budget, but in my head. (laughs) Yeah. And it is, it is a whole thing, but I'm doing the, I'm doing those calculations. One of the things that occurred to me this year is that every year it's 24 count crayons, 24 count colored pencils for both kids. And then I end up with so many colored pencils, Kelly. So I know, I know, so many. So what I'm doing this year is I'm going to assemble 24 from the ridiculous
1: from the Tupperware container of of, of, <laughs> of misfit nubs. crayons. Yes, yeah, exactly. Misfit,
0: misfit nubs and yep. and full length ones, and we're just going to put them all together. Yeah, in the zipper pouch. Mm -hmm. And magically, look at that, 24 count, guys, 24 count. So I do think that's a practical issue because
1: they're 24 greens, but it doesn't matter. There's 24 (laughs) I counted.
0: Look, I'm going to attempt to hit all the colors. Okay, I'm going to look at the picture online. I'm going to Google image search the Crayola 24 count (laughs) colored pencils. And I feel confident that I can muster
1: 24
0: similarly colored colored pencils
1: yeah well (laughs) here here though is the thing mary Catherine, which is you are an economist in your head just like me and in your heart what is the cost of time for doing that yeah versus actually purchasing (laughs) like like if you if you did your billable rate for a client that's going to be the most expensive (laughs) flipping 24 24 count of you're going to be like oh this is a $200. 200. But yes, but, you, but, know, it's the but you know what it saves me. The thing. Hmm. You know what it also saves
0: me though? What's clutter. that?
1: Because yeah, some, of clu-
0: some of the clutter some of the is going out into the world and I can't yep. my thing my thing is I can't waste. So fair. if the if the pencils are operational yep. they stay in the art stuff and yep. I can't throw them out. So we're taking exactly. the operational the operational pencils are going into the school now. They're going to into school and I'm going to have fewer of them at home. That's Your what right,
1: I'm do. Get it. In <laughs> I which I also case. found out
0: this year and and this this tugged on my this spoke to me. There's an anecdote from one of these stories of the
1: woman with the water bottle. Oh yeah, that's the LA Times piece.
0: Yeah, this is the LA Times, Shauna McDonald 49 had to put her foot down. This is about you know, parents making the call on these things right. with her 6-year-old Willow who begged for a $30 water bottle at Target and Burbank. What kind of Stanley Nonsense on steroids is a $30 water bottle for a six year old. Shauna, I right? support you. Shauna, you're making the right call. Yeah. <laughs> right call. No? She said prices have been pretty good at Target, but that she's like, when it comes to these new products, like, we can, we can find another water bottle.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the extras. So people are having to, you have to spend more in order to hit that like base, but. Parents are just not doing the extras, and the reason is that they're bananas expensive. Like there's, it yeah. just it makes no sense. We we did same lunchboxes, same backpacks. My kids go to Catholic school, and I was like, well, we got our uniform pants at Costco, even though they're technically the incorrect pants nobody's gonna be taking off my kids pants to check the labels right <laughs> yeah like we're not doing that <laughs> yeah it's fine they're slacks they're they're wearing their slacks i got those at costco and i am but i'm just not i cannot continue this crazy just they just suck so much money out of yes. the it, it's crazy i i looted their backpacks from last year by the yeah. way, I'm just showing how very cheap I
0: am just as a human being. I looted their backpacks from last year because they always each class has, you know, right. you need this, this many of the little folders that have the have the the brads to put the pages in and have the two pocket, right. two pocket folders, right? Everybody's seen right. those. We had them our whole lives. Yeah. So about three years ago, I bought the decent ones mm-hmm. and they bring them home from school. And yep. every year I'm digging them out. And if they need to go to a different kid, pull out your nail polish remover, take the kid's name off, put the other kid's name on, and they're going smart back in the backpacks for yep. this year's Spanish class because I'm not going out to buy the nice ones again. But I did, I did splurge the one time, you know, right. and spend the money on the decent ones so they would last us a couple years. I also was informed that my kids knew water bottle that she got earlier this summer from her grandparents for camp which was such a nice gift very nice water bottle and by the way we didn't have water bottles in school nobody needed to be hydrated when we were children we
1: that all not a thing licked we all licked the water fountain together right like <laughs> it so gross it's, it's true. so true like it, you would always
0: hear rumors about the kids who put their mouth on the water fountain
1: yeah straight up like actually yeah. i'm okay with the water bottle trend yeah so they got the when water I think bottles. About the 80s. Yeah. Okay.
0: But she, one of my kids is in a young the younger one. She's in a grade young enough that they're not allowed to have metal water bottles. Now, I oh. understand this. It's because someone will use that water bottle incorrectly or someone will get correctly. My thinking about yeah. her kids right now. My yeah, child happens to be an extremely mature yeah, seven-year-old. Yeah. And I'm like, do I really have to replace this water bottle with another one when it's perfectly functional and she's not going to clobber anybody because she, do- she is not in
1: the HBO prison show Oz. Like, she's not going to do that. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. I would not be fine, but you're fine. <laughs> There's okay. got to be some room for judgment and the best parental judgment. You're Like, your kid would be great. My kid would be suspended. It's fine. <laughs> immediately these, just these immediately my my giant hyper boys are they are a yeah no it's a different scene
0: it's a different scene it is it is sure. a different
1: scene so so i took them you know we've been doing all the things making sure that we check all the boxes i took them to the pediatrician this morning and this morning started the like I don't know. I don't want to say personality analysis, but the like, mm-hmm. is your kid too hyper? Is your kid? Da, 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 da? And I'm in this weird kind of place where I don't oh, want to. Is, this is
0: the pediatrician asking you. Yeah. Sort of basic yeah, like, questions. One, right.
1: one of the questions was, does your son act like he's run by a motor? And I was like, what does that even mean? I don't know what you mean by that. And they were like, does he just go nonstop? And I, I was like, well, he's six, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I am reticent to get into this place that I feel like we are societally, which is just like the pathologizing of childhood. hmm Right? Like like I'm very reticent. I'm just like, eh, he's six. Like, yeah. yeah. Does does he actually act like he's run by a motor? Yeah. And it's a really, really fast one. It's like a Ferrari motor. But yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that, right? Cause I don't I just like he's He's a boy and he's six and he eats a lot and he is my kid. So he's a little. Yeah, wealthy,
0: particularly, really. particularly. And this is, you know, I did a a podcast on this with the author, Richard Reeves, who wrote um, right. of, boy, of Boys and Men. Oh, he's a that was such a good, guy.
1: Such a good this book. Was, such a good podcast.
0: Yes, it's definitely worth a read, especially if you have any any voice at home about how our society is failing them. And one right. of the ways is that. Honestly, my, my girls are far more, on average, because they are girls, cut out for school. One of them, one of them in particular is very much like I was as a child. And her mm-hmm. brain works in school. She likes the deadlines. She likes a little bit of competition. She likes to have metrics. It's all basically tailored to her. She's very mature. She can sit in a chair for long periods of time and pay attention to what you're saying. She's very verbal. Like, she's, right, it works for her. Now, there is a different version of child for whom school is not suited that well. And often that personality profile is male, (laughs) right? Yeah. And sitting in a chair for long periods of time is hard. And Mm -hmm. their brains are not necessarily animated by the same structure that other kids are. And that book addresses a lot of this and actually uh, contends that male students should be red shirted uniformly across the board so that girls are one so they're one year older than the girls in their same grade
1: because the maturity
0: of their brains is so different that Mm -hmm. it would actually even out quite a bit better to have them older each year anyway
1: that's a that's a really interesting idea and a solution i think i I mean, this is one of the reasons that even though it is hugely expensive, even though we are Catholic, that we have chosen to go the religious school route, is that there is kind of this idea that when when the underpinning of the education is based on the idea that, you know, God made you who you are, mm-hmm. it is more about accommodating and celebrating than denigrating. Right. And or medicating. <laughs> but yeah, well, exactly, which is, and which in some cases truly is necessary.
0: But yes, is I think, like you said, it goes with this pathologizing where some, mm-hmm. yes, some people really do benefit from this thing, but right. not every person who's having trouble sitting still for large periods of time needs that particular thing. Right. Right. Sometimes it's just a six-year-old with a motor because that's how six-year-olds are made,
1: <laughs> right? And
0: that's how God made them.
1: Yep. Exactly and And that's why you know we live on four acres and close the gates and send them outside, because my inclination <laughs> is that generally the best way to parent is like outside as yes. much as I can
0: right and this this is why I'm endless summering because I just want want to be outside as as much as possible.
1: It's the way to do it, but it it's getting harder and harder right it's it it and this and this goes back to the idea that I'm confused as to why biden is leaning in on bidenomics like it it is getting harder and harder for people in just kind of the middle america flyover country to make all of the ends meet meet all of the the needs of your kids in this society and figure out you know how to have hope and purpose and kindness it's just it's it's tough. It's a tough road right now. Well, there,
0: was a, there was a story a couple of days ago about uh, Moody's chief economist, Mark Zandi. Uh, mm-hmm. he, was, he was talking about a report uh, studying inflation and in the, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and had this to say that Americans are spending $709 more per month on everyday goods and services than they did two years ago. Again, that is a mortgage payment in many parts of the country. Right. That is a huge, huge expenditure. And the idea that in the face of that, you'd be like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about how great this is. Right?
1: It seems like a a strategic error. It does. Well, and that's, but, but. All of the rules of politics as we grew up in it have been thrown out the window right I mean that's... yeah we're not doing those anymore <laughs> no <Nah. laughs> all all of our classic theories about how this works no longer do so who knows we could we could end up with like two almost 80 year old like octogenarian possibly both under felony indictment like who yeah. knows that could yeah. that could be our our choice our our binary of sadness right? Here we go. Let me let me throw yeah. another
0: stat at you just for just to speak to people's where they are. Americans about Americans credit card debt. By the way, I want to congratulate oh. the Forbes writer for this lead. Barbie isn't the only plastic that's hot this summer. Woo! Slow, slow clap. Slow clap, girl. Credit card balances mm-hmm. shot up by 45 billion Oof. between the first and second quarters of 2023, a 4.6% increase that pushed total credit card debt past the $1 trillion mark, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Some parts of the U.S. are having a particularly hard time with credit card debt. Forbes advisor report has found residents of Washington, D.C. are struggling most to manage their balances. I mean, by the way, there's a not to be insensitive, but there's a joke in the idea that Washington, D.C. is the most debt written, both on a professional and personal level place in the United States. And people in Sunbelt states, Nevada, Texas, and Florida are also having trouble. The, the point being that some of these sunny economic indicators that the media and Biden want to tout right, are being undermined by this growing problem, which is a time bomb.
1: Yeah, 100%. And And also, and I think really importantly, is that it is a time bomb, and it's also a time bomb individually on families right like it's not just it's a larger societal time bomb but it is born individually and the struggle with that is then you have a lot of people who already are struggling with you know we've seen just huge spikes in issues of mental health and and people like like there's the there's the jobless issue, there's the economic issue, and then you cripple that with debt. You're just, it's terrible. It's really, really tough for people individually. I went to lunch last week with a friend of mine who is an executive in one of Colorado's colleges. And he was saying that one of the things they're really struggling with in terms of both enrollment, but especially retention is this hope issue, right? Is like young people don't necessarily have the hope that you and I had when we went to college. They don't see the path to getting their white picket fence to the American dream towards finding a job that will be able to pay down debt, that will be able to sustain them. And that's really, really hard for people who are trying to figure out what the future looks like for them. Yeah. But luckily, well, luckily, we have Hillary Clinton, who's now going to be the chief fighting loneliness, she announced, is that, that we have a loneliness epidemic. <clears> she's <throat> going to fight it. Let me tell I you, mean, regardless regardless of your party, do you know who I don't think is a great person <laughs> to be in charge of fighting the loneliness epidemic? Counterpoint. counterpoint. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Counterpoint. Yeah, I love that.
0: If Hillary Clinton... Mm -hmm. barnstorms across the United States of America showing up on doorsteps where people have been formerly cloistered inside their homes, those people will leave their homes immediately (laughs) and go forth and find other company. So in a way... She could. In a way, she could solve this problem.
1: I mean, she was... You and I are old enough to remember that wasn't she kind of the original... "Quote village builder, it takes a village," wasn't that her oh, thing? First was, lady Hillary Clinton. You know what?
0: the f- The funny thing is, sec- second look at it, takes a village. I remember people snarked about that idea and that yeah. sentence, and I right. and I actually have changed my mind a bit about that. In that, I do think not that I now the left wants the state to be your village, and I do not want the right. state to be my village. I'm not interested yep. in that, but parenting with a community around you who is also parenting similarly or you just have people you can pass the baton to very important one of the groups that surrounds me because i happen to be in a a heavily military area are army moms and let me tell you yes those ladies know how to support each other because they have to Mm -hmm. and they have muscles for it and they have trained for it and it has given me insight and inspiration in how to be a little more villagey right. for people. So, oh my gosh, have I given Hillary Clinton two compliments now? Sort of almost. <laughs> well, the first one was that her detestable personality will drive people out of their homes. So I'm not sure that that was right a compliment.
1: No, I think I think look if if it were not coupled with the stick of the law of the government, yes wholly agree it is yet another reason that my husband and i choose a faith-based school based on our faith is because i know that my son's peers are likely to grow up in families where they have similar values i remember we were at a birthday party last year my older son was in kindergarten and all the parents sat together and we all agreed no phones before eighth grade at all love it yeah and and the thing is what is the biggest indicator of whether or not your kid gets a phone is whether his friend has a phone. So yes. And I do,
0: I do think that's a, that's sort of, that's a pact worth making. Right. And worth, worth recruiting people to. I do feel like we are benefiting from the pendulum swing away from like really, really prevalent phone use very young because I think the, the stats are pretty undeniable that it's bad for children and the more they have it, the worse it is. And the younger they have it, the worse it is. So my kids, my kids ask when they'll have them. And I say,
1: (laughs) don't even ask. Actually, every time you ask, I add a year. Perfect. That's (laughs) genius. I love it. I, I mostly stay away from it, but I will say every time I open my photo, like stream, it's 57,000 photos of my younger's forehead. Cause he can't open (laughs) He can't open the actual games and stuff but you can yes. on the screen you can access the camera so he'll just take selfies of his forehead all day long. <laughs> I love it. This yeah. is
0: not this is not news related but can I ask what your mm-hmm. approach is with teachers and how much information you give them about dealing with your children. Like So there's a lot of, which I, this is a, this is a trend that I don't love, Mm -hmm. but the teachers on TikTok or Instagram who do sort of comedy bits, but they're, they're fairly mean spirited a lot of them about how they interact with parents and how parents interact with them. And to me, this took on an edge after the COVID school shutdowns where it's like, I could have been like in on the joke before, right? but now because you guys a lot of you abandoned us for 18 months and then still wanted your sort of like secular sainthood bestowed upon you. I don't take those jokes as well as I used to. Yeah. But there's a lot of joking about like, Oh, here's this mom who has these thoughts about her very special child. and blah, blah. I think in the, like, I'm not a really a squeaky wheel parent. Right. But I think in the past I would have been more likely to say, Hey, like, let your kids sink or swim in the system that you've put them in. And I'm generally kind of believe that. Right. But also I'm an expert in my kid. Yeah. Like I have a specialized knowledge of this.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a hard kind of philosophical question. And I think part of it is what system are you putting them in and what are their values? Right. Yeah. Yes. Because I was very, I, my husband and i uh, were very deliberate in the system that we put our kids in and therefore i would tend to like grant more grace on that side yeah because at great personal expense in terms of time money research all all of the things I've I've chosen this system and so then I assume that the people who also buy into the system have similar values to me.
0: Yeah, like you've you've chosen the rotisserie oven and you want to set it and forget it.
1: I I do. I do. <laughs> yes, but also uh, but also we unsurprisingly knowing us have really unique children, right? <laughs> and with that comes certain advantages and sometimes struggles and so like my philosophy last year was when it was kindergarten it was like nobody knew what they were doing anyway Mm -hmm. and this year my thought is give it a couple weeks and see how my quote very special child (laughs) (laughs) does because there are two classes and they kind of mixed them up But, you know, I went in and I met the teacher and she's lovely and seems great. And people who've had her think she's great. But, you know, I'll just have an open line of communication and talk to her as a peer. But, man, if I had if I had my kids in public school. So, for instance, one of my best friends down the street, she says that, like, it doesn't seem like the communication from the teachers is good. It's fast right. turnover, and they just don't care like at all. Basically. Well, that, yeah,
0: th- this is the question is like, how, how proactive do you need to be? And I've been guilty of not being proactive enough in the past. And because partly because I was a kid who thrived in a traditional school setting. That was like, right. that was my jam. And so right. I kind of assume that my children will, And then I was I'm sometimes incorrect in that assumption. Right. Right. And then I then I go, oh, I should have thought harder about how to sort of like tell the teacher that this was the situation or or that I Mm -hmm. should have been more on top of what was happening. So I think I kind of battle with that, too, because I and same right. We've we've picked a a school that aligns with our values and that we do not have to be checking in on like gender discussions on a frequent basis
1: right uh yeah or or what kind of what kind of conversations are they having with kids that they are quite specifically not talking to you about like that yeah that that is is also a a trend that makes me super uncomfortable i'm like why right it is it it is
0: so funny to me that the that the sort of media framing of this and left framing of this is that it's like it's wild that you moms and dads have concerns that about us having very serious conversations with your kids, and then hiding it from you. I don't know what you guys are so so upset about. It's like that's a very normal thing to be upset about, guys. Well, I that's, mean, that's sort of that's actually the classic thing to be concerned about. That's it, the it thing. Is, <laughs> this is
1: the big thing. I mean, <laughs> it is it is the 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 Overton window of parenting is moving, yeah. right? Yes. It's it's moving hard. It's moving fast in a way that is, I think, very disconcerting to a lot of people as evidenced by just kind of the generalized uproar across the entire country yeah. about it. But but ultimately, I think that it, just like everything else, it has to be taken on a case-by-case basis, right? Like, how, how yeah. do you feel about the teacher? How do you feel about partnering with them? If you feel not great about partnering with them, it might be time for a heavier hand. But But ultimately you know, what is, what are the biggest indicators of success? It's like, who are your friends? That's it. That's the biggest thing. Right. When, and I think about this all the time because we've really lucked out in the friend department. I've lucked out having you as my friend, but were you, were you not my friend? Would I think to myself like, oh yeah, like a book, I could write a book. No, that's just not a thing that I would think is a thing that people could do. Right. Oh, a podcast. Yeah, I could do that. Oh, a Substack? Yeah, I can do that. What your idea of what is is possible is so framed Changes. by. Yeah. yeah, it's so framed by your peers that in my mind, the most important decision I am making as a parent right now is who are my children's peers? Yeah. And what I are their have, families like? When I when I first became
0: a mom, I and I've done I've done the I've done sort of half and half. Right. Which is that your your kids eventually hit a point where they're going to be choosing your mom friends for you. But I made sure that I had enough tight mom friends with whom I hung out regularly who were already my friends. Yeah. Like, and we just imported the kids into the situation. (laughs) You're one of them. My friend, Angela, with whom I'm on this trip right now is one of them. People, people who parent similarly. I think the the screen time thing can be, an interesting indicator, not it's it's so funny because I watch TV like just constantly as a child. And my kids do watch TV. I prefer the big screen to the little screen. Right. Agree. Totally agree. The big screen is a passive endeavor and they'll right. kind of wander off if it's on yes. for a while yes. uh, and find something else to do. We don't do a ton of it. The little screen is like you're captive. You're captive Ooh. to the little screen. And so I keep that we keep that very low. And having friends around who do the same, I think, yeah, is more likely to result in this pact in the future that we're going to keep phones at
1: bay for a little while. So well, we'll you know what I've what I've really gotten into is uh, I found on Amazon that they have the retro reading rainbows on the prime TV. Yes love love some more. yeah, yeah. So we're butterfly in the sky all day long. It's fabulous when they're home at night. That is their that's their wind down. Either that or, you know, give a mouse a cookie.
0: I mean, that's a old reading rainbow is a good wind down. Oh, do you oh. know what my kids do you know what my kids told me the other day? Hmm. They said, Mom, they were telling me a story about being at the grandparents' house. Yeah. Mom, the other day at Grand and Papa's, when we were watching the original Daniel Tiger with Fred Rogers in it, <gasps> and I was like, oh, that's just Fred Rogers' neighborhood. That's, yeah. <laughs> it cracked oh me gosh. up that, like, they're the Fred- original Ro- to them. D- the Rogers' neighborhood. So for, the- for those of you who do not have young children, right. Daniel Tiger's neighborhood is an animated series that is a spin off of Fred Rogers' neighborhood. The, the original Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And it stars the little tiger family that lived in the clock. That mm-hmm. used to be an old dusty puppet and is now an animated series. Adorable dusty puppet, but, you know. Yeah. And so they don't know it as anything other than Daniel Tiger's Daniel. Neighborhood.
1: Uh. And then they
0: were watching. And so now it's original Daniel Tiger with, like, co-starring Fred Rogers. And I'm like, no, no, no. Fred Rogers is a star, guys. Yes. He's yes, the whole it's the whole deal. But,
1: but Daniel is, Tiger
0: is a star in my house, so that's a thing.
1: Wow, well, I mean, there is that comfort of him taking off his jacket, putting on his sweater, taking off his work shoes, putting on his cash shoes. That you're just like, oh, <laughs> it's just it feels like it feels like home, right? Oh, but yeah, I, we did. My younger son and I did download the new Paw Patrol movie this weekend, which was a big treat. Oh, I like it. One. I, here's what I liked about it. The premise is that he is that there's a city with a new mayor, and he is terrible and a very bad mayor. And so Paw Patrol must come save the city from this terrible mayor making all of these bad decisions. And I like to inject a little bit of government skepticism into my kids at every level. So I'm in favor. Tell love. me about it my friend
0: we'll put, <laughs> we put that on our list of acceptable forms of <laughs> entertainment here's a question do yeah. you think do you think that given that mm-hmm. it's back to school season and that there are these economic pressures right on parents who are very important voters that we might hear anything about that in this debate
1: next week i mean unlikely but possibly i would hope so yeah i I think you're correct. It's unlikely and it's
0: interesting to me. I, I've been contemplating this, about, and I'll, I I want to write a debate preview piece about it, that voters say they want to hear about the economy, right? right. That's in every poll. It's like they want to hear about economic stuff. This is a wonderful way in August in particular to connect to people's struggles. right? And talk about, you know, find one, cac- one factoid on the CPI about crayons or markers or whatever it is. And just put it in there. Tell yeah. a story about yeah. tell a story about this woman who doesn't want to buy her child this Stanley thirty dollar water level, bottle. Stanley level water bottle. Yeah, she's a, she's not an Instagram influencer. She don't need yeah. a thirty mile water bottle, and it probably won't be part of the conversation. At least not in that storytelling kind of way. But I do think that that is what voters are partially looking for, right? And they keep saying it, but nobody's really, I guess, I guess it's not true. Biden is talking about the economy. It's just that nobody wants what you're selling.
1: Well, and that is an interesting and weird way to go about it in my mind. But again, there are no rules. It reminds me of, we did a campaign a number of years ago to fight a tax increase ostensibly for education in Colorado. I would have been a billion dollar tax increase, but what I did because we had no money on the anti side. And of course the pro Mm -hmm. side was like totally funded by the teachers union to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. I went and I took the mean tax increase per family and I bought school supplies with it. And then every time they did a speech, I would set up a folding table in front of the speeches and I would just line this table with school supplies with like hundreds of dollars of school supplies I was like, look, it, it might be a marginal tax increase. It might seem small month over month, but this is what you could buy with it. Mm. And it that's was super effective. i talking about. Kelly. Yeah, that's it was, what i talking about. It was super effective. I made people super mad when I did that. But I wanted to make sure that the photo <laughs> of that table was in every article written about this tax increase. And yeah. I mean, that's. This this is the problem of existing in a world where all of the political rules have essentially been rewritten is I don't even know if that would connect with people anymore or not.
0: Well, yeah, that's the question. And there's also a question of people say they want to hear about the economy. Right. And also the market sort of speaks and the culture, the culture war issues, which I don't think are unimportant. Right. The culture war issues are so much more hot. Like the the passion for those burns, it burns so much brighter. And in politics, passion is often where attention goes, even if the numbers are not there. Right. Yep. And so the passion might not be in economics. By the way, the the New York Times was reporting on the the how voters see the economy, and say the headline is "Voters see a bad economy, even if they're doing okay." Well, define okay. Thank you, New York Times writers, but. Just 10% of registered voters say the U.S. economy is good or excellent. That is That's not great. That's not great. That is That is that that is a real issue to lean into if you're right. the incumbent, right? Now, I think it was Matt Lewis who was on uh, the podcast with me, and he reminded me of the phrase in politics, you should hang a lantern on your problems. And this is like hanging a wildfire on your problems. <laughs> it's like, if ten percent of people believe yeah. the economy is good, and your take is, let's name the economy after me. I
1: don't. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, but opposed to what? Right. Like, like I know. Their names are the problem. As as opposed to, who knows what's going to come out mm-hmm. of this, and who knows yeah. where we will be a year from now. I'll be outside. I'll be outside harvesting my pears.
0: We got to chit-chatting and we forgot to cover Kentucky. Yeah. All right. So let me read from CBS News. I was watching people's Twitter accounts and I kept seeing news about it felt very COVID era about Kentucky schools not opening and then like delayed for another week. And I was like, what the heck is happening here? And I didn't I didn't get to the bottom of it until you and I were talking Yep. And it's this is CBS News. Transportation disaster closes schools, leaves students stranded in Louisville, Kentucky. Anger and frustration swept through a packed Louisville, Kentucky school board meeting Tuesday night after students were stranded last week and school closed due to what officials called a transportation disaster. One of the main issues was a newly implemented bus routing system heavily reliant on technology. The failed bus route plan in Jefferson County, Kentucky, aimed at enhancing efficiency.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> backfired
0: due to computer algorithms that failed to factor sufficient times between stops, causing significant delays and worry among parents. Elizabeth Brammel's son didn't get home until after 7 p.m. It was horrible because I had no clue where he was, she said. Oh, my gosh, I would lose my mind. The problem was yeah, also rooted a nightmare. in a severe shortage of school bus drivers, which forced Louisville's public school district to reduce and merge its bus routes.
1: These kids were on the bus for hours and hours. Yeah. Reportedly as long as 10 hours. So I have some kind of inside scoop, which is I heard about this. A friend of mine's dad is a principal in a school in Louisville. So which it, by the way, is different. Louisville is Kentucky where I have family and I would be in big trouble if I didn't pronounce it correctly in Colorado, A town with the same spelling is Louisville.
0: Oh, that's funny. Uh, But anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you have to pronounce them both correctly. Louisville, you're you're basically eating it into the back of your throat. Anyway, Jefferson County in Louisville apparently used an AI to help create the new bus routes is Mm -hmm. what his dad... Told me because he's the headmaster of a school in the city, and look, I'm not saying that the AI was trying to kidnap our children for ten hours on buses, but I'm just saying if Skynet were trying, but I can't, I cannot fathom losing my child that long. I would, I would flip out. I would no, out absolutely. And then, and then here's the thing.
0: Look. Mistakes can happen, especially implementing a new system. This is very hashtag government that it happened this way, especially when they're attempting to increase efficiency. However, mistakes happen, right? My question with school districts or government in in general, or actually any entity is, can you come back from that mistake after you've established what is happening? And in the case of schools, public schools, often the answer is no, we absolutely cannot. So what they did is because 70% of kids in louisville depend on school transportation they right. just canceled school they canceled yeah, school right. because they couldn't yeah. get them where they were going and once again we see and this is by the way again why i always i say it and i told i believe i told the new york times ezra klein's podcast this week talking to jane Costen, like you had to chase me out of public schools but you did right right and this yeah. is how is by yeah. abandoning people when they really need you And so many of our friends on the left say, well, you know, you can't do, you can't do school choice. You can't do privatization of these things. You can't do charters because the children who don't have the parents who are involved and at the school board meetings and willing to to do the the process to get into a school choice program, you know, you got to have the public entity to serve those kids. To which I say, we've tried that a lot of times now, and they're not
1: serving those kids. They're not there. Yes. They're giving like well, them- exactly is like, okay, well then we're just going to close. And the, yeah. I, I, and you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, but the message that you are sending people is this is optional. This mm-hmm. is, this is not an essential service. This is optional. If we, if we can just close the door is at any moment, you can't rely on us. And it's a choice. And particularly when things are hard. Yeah. We
0: will not be here. Yeah. I mean, that is a that's a rough message for a public service to be sending.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's here we are again with I it is so it's so disappointing to see how they handled it. I mean, well, I mean, disappointing and not particularly surprising. I by the way, love that the that the title of the New York Times piece says opinion. This conservative thinks America's institutions earned the GOP's distrust. That was the title. Because of course, <laughs> hey, hey guys, check check the
0: polling and you'll find out that it ain't just the GOP who has it distrust ain't just, issues.
1: It ain't just the GOP. And I love that they must like put the little asterisk by you, right? It's like not this mom. Or this no. education or this policy education expert. You must, you must be the conservative. That, that must conservative. be what, yes, that conservative. That's what you are.
0: I've got one more, one more topic for us. And this one yeah. is also economic. This is an old am I the a-hole from Reddit. And I want to get Ooh. your take on it because it's economics in the classroom. Here we go. so it's a mom who went to reddit and said that this issue was bothering her this is uh, a couple years ago a mom submitted her back to school dilemma and thousands of people chimed in on it the issue was she took her kid first grade back to school shopping they bought all the items on the school's list and then the mom added that she ignored a note instructing
1: them not to label the supplies do you know what's coming here that they were supposed to just take all the supplies and put them in the collective. So so she just labeled them anyway because she bought them for her kid.
0: Then on the first day of school, the mom got an email from the teacher explaining that the reason for not labeling was because all of the supplies students brought, notebooks, folders, pens, were supposed to be pooled and distributed amongst the entire class. And she was annoyed that she had bought specific things for her kid and then they went to the collective right obviously there are different ways of doing things what is your take on the collective school supplies
1: uh, ah this is a good question because we do a hybrid right like and that I think is why many teachers are like okay well you have to have Crayola you can't have crazy art right and then they put all They put all of the spare crayons, like, and then when as people need them, then they distribute them. And that's, I mean, it depends. But also, if you buy something for your child, and we struggle with this even in our household, right? Not every present must be shared. I'm not a mom who's like, oh, you you must share. Like we, I want I want the, I want to promote generosity while still. Believing in enforceable property rights, right' <laughs> <It's>, you know <laughs> is this such a hard concept to understand <laughs> right. right can we can we do it so so the answer is like maybe depending on the situation, is this like yeah. did she buy things that were way nicer than the norm so she in order she, it to... doesn't sound
0: like it doesn't sound like she did, but it sounds like she did buy specifically for her daughter, and here's where teachers need to be very clear. Right. If we're doing socialism, I want to know we're doing socialism. okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) For many reasons, one of them that I might get sent to the gulag before the school year is over. But if we're if we're doing the socialism in the classroom, I just don't want to spend time having my kid get excited about things he or she is picking out and then having them distributed to someone else, which is what happened here And then the teacher kind of lectured the mom and basically said, your kid needs to your kid needs to learn how to share. And it's like, (laughs) I don't love that part about it. Right. Like, I'm happy to contribute because we are a fortunate family. And if someone now I am cobbling together 24 count pencil (laughs) packs, I understand that I said that, however, for someone else's kid i'd buy right. a new one like i yeah. can do it i can i can yeah like to, for a good cause for other kids who are in the class i can help out okay Yes. not my own yes. kids not my own kids but right. other kids.
1: <laughs> what does what what that saying like, i need <laughs> when you're when your oldest was born the saying that you had that i love so much is that you were gonna spend all of your time making as much <laughs> money as you could and then convincing your children that you had none that, that we don't have any yeah that was that was the thing that you said when you had your first child and I have used that philosophy from from the time I had children on is, yeah. is I want so them, like for I several have, for
0: several years right you know they could be like oh no my mom she ain't she ain't got no money she drives a 2002 Honda Civic like, yes
1: <laughs> same Mark Mark finally made um, me get a new vehicle with airbags when i got pregnant because he was like okay yeah now now you have someone else that we're trying to take care of and you're a bad driver so so
0: the majority of the commenters on this particular am i the a-hole concluded she was not good which kind of surprised me I'm i'm actually glad to hear that yeah so and everybody sort of agreed it's one thing if you're asking for donations but to be unclear about the situation and then say you buy your kid the $30 water bottle and it gets put in the collective. That my kid no. Stanley is not going in the collective. My no. kid doesn't have a Stanley. I don't even have a Stanley. By the way, just a brief middle-aged white lady segue or tangent. But have you seen all the influencers with the Stanley? Stanley is a very expensive, yeah, drinking receptacle, like water receptacle. Yeah, uh, it's
1: it's a tumbler. Yeah, it's a giant, giant water
0: bottle with a straw. Yes, right. But they're very trendy and they're cute. I I get it. They're cute. They look good. And they come in a lot of of cute colors. But there are now wild accessories for these things. Like like a fanny pack that you can put on your Stanley. Okay. Or a a charm holder that you can affix to your Stanley. Or a... I mean honestly they're like dressing them up like barbie dolls
1: it's <laughs> wild okay this reminds me of crocs do you remember when crocs came out and then all of a sudden people started adding mm-hmm. charms and then they da, 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 da. and by the way i would like to remind everybody that stanley's used to be utilitarian camping brand and they used to they're come the- in one in one color which was olive green and that is the best color of Stanley, and those are the. They, this they are... is the Carhartt phenomenon. It's Ugh. like working class. Working class becomes Instagrammable. Oh, the the Carhartt issue is gigantic for me because I, in fact, wear Carharts for the purpose of Carhartt to do actual became, work. Yeah, they became insanely expensive and impossible to find. Thank you very much, Instagram. But Stanleys similarly have just been co opted and painted a bunch of different colors why I don't know green was great stick with that I mean now now
0: I know if I ever get one to just go with the green because that's I would like that too I'm on board for that
1: yeah it was the original coffee thermos was that green Stanley everybody's grandpa had one in the goose pit if you hunt geese like me (laughs) I love it yeah, yeah, and now and now you're just an Instagram
0: influencer with your Stanley,
1: your old school Stanley, and your Carhartt. Everything, everything old is new again, right? That's yeah. how fashion works, apparently. So, I just I'm gonna be cool at least one more time again in my life before I run out of uncoolness. Well, Kelly Maher at
0: Okay Maher on the Twitters at Real Best Life on Instagram and substack correct
1: you should follow her
0: and subscribe to her because you hear about her lovely farm life and it is a great respite from the 2024 discussion that we must and will be having (laughs) for the foreseeable future but if you want goat content and uh, chicken content and all sorts of hilarity from the farm please check kelly out um i am this conservative who occasionally does have problems with doing the socialism with the school supplies that is it's who i am kelly yep thank you so much kelly for being here with us on getting hammered happy to be here thank you for having me righty, everybody enjoy your back to school shopping as much as possible say no to the stanley and sometimes the socialism thank you for getting hammered responsibly this has been a nebulous media podcast